Welcome to Civil War Talk Radio with host Jerry Prokopovich. Our program covers all aspects of Civil War history, from the battlefields to the home fronts, and features guest experts, plus insight from your host as they discuss the most critical period in American history. Now, here is your host, Jerry Prokopovich. This is Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. Many of us had our interest in the Civil War era kindled by the book Centennial History of the Civil War. The text by Bruce Catton, as good as it was, went over the heads of those of us who were still children back in the 1960s. But it was those bird's eye view painted maps with hundreds of tiny soldier figures that brought the battles to life for us. Now, Patrick Brennan, who remembers that book, has co-authored two volumes with their own path-breaking graphical presentations. The books are titled Gettysburg in Color, and we'll talk with him tonight on Civil War Talk Radio. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P O-W-I-C-Z-G at E-C-U dot E-D-U. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, coming to you tonight from the construction site that is known as the Brewster Building on the campus of East Carolina University in Greenville, North Carolina but not representing ECU or the Brewster Building or the people out in the courtyard who are, I'm, I'm not sure what they're doing. I initially thought they were going to fill the courtyard with water and float some Roman galley reproductions in it uh, for historical uh, ambience in the building, but it turns out they're not. Now it looks like they are building a, uh, a rollerball track, uh, for those who remember that movie. Uh, but I may be mistaken about that, too. Whatever it is, they're making a lot of noise after hours here in the Brewster complex in Greenville at ECU. But I'm not speaking for any of them, just myself. And likewise, our guest speaks only for himself, as we always do at Civil War Talk Radio. It is the first uh, Wednesday of September 2023. It's a new academic year, new season. Uh, of the show, season number 20, new football season. Last week, I had the great pleasure of going to see the ECU Pirates play in the big house in Ann Arbor, where I watched the uh, 
team of my alma mater, Michigan, play the team of my employer, the Pirates, and I would say everyone pretty much got what they wanted out of it. Uh, Michigan won handily, 30-3, to but ECU uh, covered the spread, kept their streak intact of not being shut out, I think, since 1997. Uh, both teams showed some good things. Michigan uh, hitting on all cylinders except the kicking game. That was nerve-wracking, and that, that may come back to haunt us later in the year. Uh, the Pirates showed good body language as they were getting uh, curb-stomped throughout the game. They didn't back down. They, they played hard in spite of everything. And I have the feeling that when they come up against a team more their own size this weekend, they will just go crazy on them and, and win big. That's my prediction. I hope I didn't jinx anything. Uh, in any case, it was a, a fun weekend. Always good to, to see college football live. I said this is also a new season of Civil War Talk Radio. It's season number 20. Thank you uh, to everyone who has written in with good wishes or bought T-shirts from uh, the impedimentsofwar.org website to commemorate our 20th season. I got to talk about it on actual talk radio uh, yesterday, interviewed uh, on a Chicago AM talk station by Eric Zorn, longtime Chicago Tribune columnist, now retired and producing his own Substack. I'm not sure what that is, but it means he gets to write. It's called the Picayune Sentinel, if you want to look it up. Uh, Eric and I also went to the game together Saturday with my, my brother Pete and his wife Bonnie. Uh, we had a, a, a good time, all of us loyal Wolverines enjoying that. Uh, while you're at the uh, website, if you want to support, not not support me or ECU, but just sort of psych- psychologically, in addition to Civil War Talk Radio t-shirts, there is the Eastern Carolina University t-shirt that I designed last year in frustration at ESPN getting the name of our school wrong over and over. So I finally went ahead and made a shirt that says Eastern Carolina University and wore it to the game Saturday. We were sitting with other pirate fans in the away section and got a lot of double takes and then people going, oh yeah, no respect for us. So you can be one of the five people in America who owns one if you buy the next one. That is, of course, accessible through impedimentsofwar.org, our website. Mark Gaffney keeps things running there. Uh, quick history lesson. You may recall that in World War One and again in World War Two, business leaders, executives who wanted to contribute to the war effort with their expertise, essentially donated their services to the federal government, accepting a token salary of $1 a year. You, too, can be a dollar a year person, or with inflation, let's call it a $2 a year person. If you go to the website, click on the PayPal button, and contribute $40 to Civil War Talk Radio's Book and Bourbon Fund, you are spending $2 a year for 20 years' worth of shows. For just $2 a year, you get to feel a smug sense of superiority every time I imply that there are freeloaders out there listening, because you won't be one of them. Uh, Highly recommended. Uh, Not tax deductible, though. Don't forget that. Uh, 
While you're at the website, you'll see who's going to be on next. Next week, uh, September 13, Jonathan W. White returns to the show. His new book is called Shipwrecked, a true Civil War story of mutinies, jailbreaks, blockade running, and the slave trade. On the 20th, D. Scott Hartwig will be here to talk about his long-awaited second volume of about the Battle of Antietam. Uh, it's called I Dread the Thought of the Place. It's a short title. It is not a short book. Uh, it will tell you all you want to know about Antietam. And I just saw today, if you want to hear him talk about it uh, in person, on September 23rd, Civil War Institute is running a day-long uh, bus trip to Antietam with D. Scott Hartwig aboard to talk about the battle. You get a free copy. Well, you pay for the trip. You get a copy of his book. You get to hear him, have dinner with him. Uh, this is a completely unpaid, unsolicited announcement. Check the Civil War Institute page at Gettysburg College's website and learn about that. We'll finish up the month of September on the 27th with Manoa Uffelman and her book, The Civil War Letters of Sarah Kennedy, Life Under Occupation in the Upper South. Speaking of people who've been, who will be on, I want to mention a person who has been on uh, the show back in February 2022. I had the pleasure of interviewing uh, Meg Groling, who wrote a book called First Fallen, The Life of Colonel Elmer Ellsworth, the North's first Civil War hero. I didn't know at the time I spoke to her that she was fighting lymphoma. She didn't mention it, didn't show it in any way. Uh, and so I was uh, surprised and, and saddened this past July, just a month and a half ago, when I learned uh, that she is no longer with us. Uh, there's a very nice memorial post about her at the Emerging Civil War website. And I recommend if you want to take a look at that, you'll you'll read about it really uh, impressive life and uh, a person who had much more to offer us in Civil War scholarship. Well, let's go forward now. Um, our guest tonight is someone who has been on the show before, but it was a long time ago, 2006. I find that unimaginable that people walked the earth in those days. Uh, it's Patrick Brennan, and he's here to talk about his new book, Gettysburg in Color. I'm looking at Volume 1, Brandy Stationed at the Peach Orchard. Patrick, are you there? I am here, Jerry. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's good to talk with you again. It's good to talk to you. I can't believe it was 2006. No, that, crazy. That seemed, it, it is very crazy. Um, we, we talked about your book on the Battle of Secessionville in South Carolina. But I went back and listened to a bit of the show today, and I don't always do that, but I remembered we had a particularly interesting talk, and we didn't even talk about your book until almost halfway through the show because I learned that you do uh, music for historical documentaries, and we talked about that. Uh, we talked about, all, talked about life in Chicago. Um, so let me start with that. Are you still doing the, uh, the music? Uh, are you still in the music biz? Uh, occasionally. Um, I've been concentrating more on publishing these things. And uh, so I kind of retired from that. I had a recording studio in downtown Chicago for uh, 35 years, I think it was. But uh, mm. I closed that down. I have. I still. Uh, I, I scored a, a, a long film for uh, 
Fox Nation on a uh, a murder thing that happened uh, in Oklahoma. I did that last year, and uh, I'm scheduled to do another thing like that. You know, four hours, these uh, Mm. things on the streaming services are so long, you end up doing a lot more music than what I'm used to doing. But, uh, yeah, so I still do some of that. But I've been concentrating a lot more on uh, these Gettysburg photos. Um, I can tell you that there's actually going to be a volume three of Gettysburg oh. in color that co- that will cover from the battle until 1938 and the 75th anniversary when color film came in. But uh, be a lot of the uh, there'll be a lot of images of the uh, the uh, veterans coming back to the battlefield, the dedications of the monuments, the 25th, 50th, and 75th anniversary. And I do spend a lot of time on the Marines being there in 1922, mm. uh, reenacting Pickett's Charge with 5,000 of them. And there's wow. a, lot, a lot of photos from that, too. And so, uh, you know, I can't get away from it. <laughs> no, that that's very interesting. I, I, as I said in the introduction, I've got volume one here in front of me. Um, and volume two uh, takes the story up to uh, falling waters. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I concluded, well, that's the end of the campaign. Lee goes back into Virginia. And I thought, well, that's that's a two-volume set. But fascinating to hear that there will be a third volume of the the post, uh, the, the, the battle in memory living on into the 20th, 20th century. Uh, so very much something to look forward to. Is there a date for that? Um, no. But we're, we're, I was I've been saying Christmas for a while, but that's not uh, that's not going to happen. It's probably going to be in the spring of next year. Okay, well, something we can look forward to there. Now you've been you talked about publishing. I see you serve in an editorial capacity with the magazine Civil War Monitor, something that I know all our listeners are familiar with. Um, but what do you do with, with Terry Johnson and Civil War Monitor? Well, Terry, uh, I had actually got Terry his job with North and South, talking about prehistory. Wow. Go back to North and South. Because Terry wrote a book called Him on One Side, Me on the Other, which was about uh, a Union and Confederate soldier brothers who were on opposite sides at the Battle of Secessionville. One was in the fort and one was outside the fort. Hmm. And um, we became friends. That that goes back to like 1993 or something. And we became friends. And uh, I recognized uh, a very talented writer. I think he was in college at the time, but I recognized pretty quickly that he was a first-rate mind and uh, and a, a good writer and i helped him with the maps in his book and he kind of picked my brain and when uh, i was already writing for uh, north and south at the time and i recommended him to the publisher so when he left north and south and after a couple months he called me and he said you know i'm thinking of starting a civil war magazine and uh, you know, I, I thought he was crazy that, that, <laughs> that you know, magazines were going to go out, but he had this vision for it, and uh, he asked me to, you know, to 
help them with it, be on the advisory board, do whatever. I've written, you know, I, I don't know how many articles I've written for them, and I've done a couple of uh, of interviews. I interviewed Ron Maxwell, and uh, and uh, you know, so I, it, it's we we discuss a lot of things. What could be good in uh, in uh, issues coming up, and uh, it's it's more like two old friends talking than it is me offering any advice. We just, you know, shoot it and, you know, whatever comes out of it comes out of it. Well, that that's that is good to hear. Civil War Monitor, for, for any listeners who haven't come across it yet, is, uh, you'd say in some ways, I guess, the spiritual successor to North and South, which in its heyday was really revolutionary in bringing high quality scholarship in a accessible format with a lot of illustrations. It was a, it was a great civil war magazine uh, in its day and whatever one may say about the people at the top and whatever happened there. We'll, we'll say nothing about that, but it's <laughs> wonderful that Terry carries on the, the spirit of North and South and the civil war monitor um, on that uh, cryptic note. We're going to take a short break and we'll come back. And uh, once again, Patrick, we keep our record intact. We've talked about Volume 3, but we haven't yet talked about the book on the schedule tonight, Volume 1 of Gettysburg in Color, From Brandy Station to the Peach Orchard. It's written by our guest tonight, Patrick Brennan and Dylan Brennan. We'll find out about Dylan in the second section. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. This is Civil War Talk Radio. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P. O-W-I-C-Z-G at E-C-U dot E-D-U. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking tonight with Patrick Brennan, who is the co-author of Gettysburg in Color, Volume 1, Brandy Station to the Peach Orchard. And 
likewise the uh, author or co-author of volumes two and three. I don't have volume two yet, and volume three hasn't come out yet, but uh, we'll we'll see it when it does. Um, so this this what turns out to be a trilogy of is, is about you know the Gettysburg campaign. I'm going to say every single person listening to this show tonight has too many books about Gettysburg. Hmm. Uh, I know I do. And yet here's another one. So uh, can you give us the, the elevator pitch, the, the two minute talk to convince why we need another Gettysburg book? Well, I, I was searching and uh, I thought that uh, wouldn't it be cool to have a, a book about the Battle of Gettysburg that was all in color. And how would you do that? Well, you'd have to learn to colorize old photos. You'd have to come up with a concept for doing maps that would be in color that makes sense. Um, you'd have to uh, figure out how to colorize uh, those kind of illustrations that we saw in uh, regimentals and in books, uh, battles and leaders, those sorts of things, because you don't have photos of action, obviously. So you need to reproduce action, and you can't spend millions of dollars licensing Don Troiani and Dale Gallen and people like that. Although I realize also that a lot of the action, the, 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 that you want to portray every part of the action in the battle, uh, you're going to have to probably license some of it because not all of it was portrayed in uh, with maybe a corresponding photo or a drawing or whatever. So um, I messed around with a couple different digital programs to and taught myself to colorize. I used an AI colorizer, but then after that, that was just the first uh, move that you'd make. Um, and I, I started doing research on the color of uh, uniforms, especially Confederate uniforms. And then I went deep dive into Victorian dresses and Victorian colors and accoutrement and weapons and everything. Anything that was in any of these photos, I I, I, I did research on. I put together, uh, you know, maybe a 10 page thing and I sent it to Ted Savas and I said, I called him up and I said, Ted, I got three words, Gettysburg and color. And he was like, I like it. I like it. Go, go. And then I gave him the spiel. I just gave you that, you know, we could cover the entire battle. Um, and you could see parts of every part of the the different sections of the battle because I'd already done a lot of research on it. I was originally going to do it with another guy who was a, a professional colorizer, I guess would be the word. Mm -hmm. uh, but he even, he just kind of started ignoring me after about a year. And so I figured, well, I'll just uh, uh, do it myself. I got a, a friend who's a, a former Welsh punk rocker who I was talking to about this, and he, he was like, oh, just do it yourself. You know, why you don't wait, just do it. I was like, yeah, okay. So basically I taught myself to do it, and uh, here we are.
talking about it. Well, I, you mentioned having a Welsh punk rock friend. I was about to say, well, as do we all, but but actually we don't. <laughs> um, the, uh, uh, the Ted Turner, many now decades ago, gave colorization a bad name yeah. when when Turner first started colorizing black and white movies, uh, because black and white movies were not meant to be in color, and and the costumes and sets were designed with the cinematographer's eye for how they would appear when mm-hmm. reproduced in black and white. And they were, they were, you know, the costumes were, were never meant to be seen in color. So colorizing them, instead of giving us a truer vision of the film, gave us sort of exposed a, a false look. Um, right. Is there any risk of that here? Is, are, are we getting, or, or is that something unique to film? I, I think it's unique to film because another thing that that process did was it messed with the uh, movement that the, the, the color was actually just would move a little more slowly than the people on the film. And you would if you if once someone tells you that and you're watching those old colorized movies, Right. You see it, and you're like, and you can't unsee it. You can't stop seeing it. Yeah. With with these photos, um, I think what what colorizing can do is to give you an idea of what it looked like back then. And since these were mostly just photos, still photos, there were. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, the death studies at Gettysburg have an awful lot of. Uh, dynamics to them because they're shot outside and that sort of thing. But a, a lot of what I did uh, and my daughter did, and we could talk about her in a second, but a lot of what yes. we did, especially with the portraits are, you know, studios studies. And I think mm-hmm. that uh, if the photographer would, would have been able to uh, um, phot- photograph the image in color I think he would have done it, but he wouldn't have done anything different. Mm-hmm. You know, where where with a movie, oh my gosh, it's going to be in color. Well, then we've got to make these outfits look better. We've got to use different mm-hmm. type of makeup on people. I don't think that would have changed uh, with what the photographers of the Civil War were doing. I think they would have, it just would have been a different film for them rather than uh, some kind of different uh, I, I, I guess the, the argument I make is that where someone like a Stanley Kubrick mm-hmm. was making art out of black and white, Eisenstein, uh, a lot of these guys that, that were making images that were supposed to be in black and white because that's how they were viewing that particular process. I don't think the Civil War photographers were necessarily doing studies in black and white. I think they were just barely hanging on by the tips of their fingers <laughs> with a process that was, you know, very difficult, very cumbersome and very dangerous. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned your daughter. You, we have a, a co-author credit here for Dylan mm-hmm. Brennan. Uh, in, in your introduction, you mentioned she is a, a your, your tech astute daughter. Uh and that told me nothing at all because everybody our age is not as tech astute as every person under 30 down to the age of about five. Yeah. There's kids playing yeah. with their 
their iPads in the airport lounge that I saw last weekend. Uh, so, so, so I, I know she's more than five years old. But, but tell us about about Dylan and her role well, she, in this project. Uh, she went to Columbia College here in Chicago, a communications primarily uh, school. And she learned uh, video production and television production and all that sort of stuff. And in 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 that, she also learned a lot about uh, Photoshop and you know using colors with film and that sort of thing. She's quite a wonderful photographer in her own right. And uh, so I approached her. I was having trouble early on making skin look good, especially with Photoshop. The AI, the AI does an okay job with it, but it's you know it's certainly it's not it's not something you would make a book out of. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it kind of gives you an uh, it gets you in the ballpark. Let's say it got you into the seats at at the big house. Let's say <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, but she developed a number of uh, techniques uh, to create. Uh, realistic skin color uh we also did uh we uh uh larry fast no larry tag i'm sorry larry fast was david bowie's synthesis i don't know why that name popped there but larry tag did that wonderful book on get uh the generals of gettysburg Mm -hmm. and he had uh physical descriptions of everybody. And so we use them as kind of a starting point. Dylan did a lot of interesting things where she found people that looked like, let's say, John Gibbon. Uh, She also went to an AI uh, site online that had AI-produced skin colors that weren't influenced by uh, light. So it would just be the, this uh, kind of uh, dull light, but you could get the skin color really well done. She did a lot of research along those lines, and she taught me a lot of what she was doing too. But she handled almost all of the skin colors. I would do the uniforms and the backgrounds and the you know the shoulder straps and the buttons and everything, and then she would do uh, the hair and the skin. And uh, it was kind of, you know, it was a collaborative thing. She also did the maps, too, uh, Hmm. which really turned out well, I think. Now, you mentioned also in the introduction uh, other family members were involved in this project. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my son Kevin um, did uh, the base cleaning up of the maps. What, What we wanted to do with the maps Mm-hmm. was, you know, there's all kinds of wonderful map makers, but we wanted to do something different. And I wanted it to be in color. And I thought, you know, and you brought up, oh, gosh, the the <laughs> the, the Civil War book that we were all obsessed yes. with when we were kids. And you remember those, you brought that up too, those, the maps that... Uh, I think his name was Greenspan or something. Tom? Yeah, that's correct. D- yeah. David Greenspan. David, yeah. And I think uh, so. And we would spend hours staring at those things. And I remember I was so disappointed once. I actually counted the soldiers in one of the attacks, and it was just like thirty-five or something. I thought yeah. there were a lot more than this. So, uh, so we wanted to do something like that, not exactly like that. So we took. Um, 
Google Earth Pro, uh, you can actually download high-res versions of anything you can find on Google Earth Pro. So I would figure out, okay, if we were going to have a first-day map, it would be the, approximately this size from Oak Hill down to uh, south of Herbst Woods, maybe where Biddle's Brigade was. And it would go uh, where the Springs Hotel was to the west to the seminary. And I, would, I made a, uh, a high-res version of that modern view. And then I gave it to my son, and he got rid of all the modern uh, intrusions, so to speak. Mm. We turned all the roads into either dirt or macadam, and uh, we tried to uh, recreate the uh, the uh, the tree lines and the uh, fences and all that sort of thing. And once he did that. Uh, he gave that back to Dylan and I, and mostly Dylan. Dylan came up with uh, all the graphics, the the compass points to uh, to show which way the troops were moving. She came up with the concept of the troops. You're looking down on hats, by the way. The only thing oh. she was she was kind of upset about. Um, mm-hmm. She didn't want the Confederates to be red. She wanted them to be gray, but it just didn't look right against the gray. Right. It was tough. It was hard to tell. And red has become kind of a de facto Confederate color now for, you know, whatever reason on maps, mm-hmm. probably because, you know, you could see it a lot better. Um, and then we use shoulder straps to identify. It, only, it goes to brigade levels. There are a couple maps that go to regimental levels, but mostly it's just brigade levels. And we use the shoulder straps uh, with uh, brigadiers' names on them. And um, that's that's kind of how we we did the whole thing. And uh, like I said, it, it especially in volume two, the wheat field and the uh, devil's den maps just look unbelievable because you're basically hovering over them looking straight down at uh, at at those two particular places uh some of the other ones that we had to kind of manipulate a little more was like little round top and culp's hill because of the forest <laughs> so instead of uh taking the shots from uh the summer and would have the typical uh colors of the summer uh, I was able to find on earlier Google Earths of them in the winter, and so you could see past the trees and see the uh, the uh, the lines a lot better. You know, I I noticed that that the uh, I think the little round top maybe it was you have two dates when it was accessed. One was in May, and one was in I think September, but neither one was in 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 you know june or july when the foliage would be yeah. uh all over the place and and now i see why you did that so that you could see the the actual ground contours more easily yeah the red yeah. and blue images that represent the brigades i'm looking at a, a map now of uh, mcpherson's ridge so are those are those physical uh <laughs> objects that you placed on it or or are they are they virtual I can't tell you how happy I am that you asked that question because they are virtual, but we want them to look like they're physical. We want it almost to look like like 
it's a, a almost like a war game or something. Like you're looking down at at, yes. at something that has things on it. You know, we want, and that's Dylan's particular genius to create these the sense of 3D and the sense of movement that I think uh, came off really well. That's that, I looked at my my first thought was those are. are uh, very small pom-poms uh, from the craft store uh, <laughs> lined up because they are casting a shadow. They are they yeah. pop off, uh, and uh, and I can picture uh, definitely setting up a war game and using something to represent brigades like that, where, where that would work. Um, so the maps uh, you, you mentioned you go down to brigade level. And in, indeed, most of the, uh, the the text does as well. Once we certainly once we get to the battlefield, uh, this volume takes us through uh, the the campaign and then up to the first through the first day of fighting, and the second day uh, up up through the fighting at the Peach Orchard. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't get into the evening at Culp's Hill yet. Uh, but it does it very much, uh, you know, at a brigade level. We're seeing individual brigades, sometimes individual regiments. Uh, the captions for each leader's photo show, you know, mention precisely how many soldiers were in that that officer's brigade at the battle. Uh, what I'm getting at is a question I'll leave you with uh, to ponder as we go to another break. Uh, going this far down in the weeds, who is the intended audience for this book we're going to come back and find out from our guest patrick brennan who is the co-author of gettysburg in color volume one brandy station to the peach orchard and two volumes to follow i'm jerry prokopovich this is civil war talk radio streaming live the leader in internet talk radio VoiceAmerica.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu.edu. That's P R O K O P O W I C Z 
g at ecu.edu. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking with Patrick Brennan, author, co-author of Gettysburg in Color, Volume 1, Brandy Station to the Peach Orchard, and uh, certainly author to be, of, author already of Volume 2 and Volume 3 to come. Uh, we've been talking about this book, which uses a lot of uh, which is focused on new graphical presentations of the Battle of Gettysburg. We've all read plenty about the battle. Um, I, I think it's safe to say there's not new ground being broken in the text here, but there's very much new ground being broken in the uh, in the ways that it's presented. We just talked about the maps, uh, uh, Patrick, your use of Google Earth, uh, photographs of the ground, then touched up to remove 21st century intrusions. Uh, so it looks like at the time of the battle, you've got the units marked out in red and blue, but in a way that looks as if they are markers on on the map, uh, physical markers, as if uh, somebody were maneuvering brigades around on a sand table. Uh, but that gets us to the, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, well, you know, when you and I were kids, we, we read Bruce Canton's Centennial history, we looked at the wonderful maps, played with our marks, blue and gray toy soldiers, try to recreate those battlefields. Uh, this book, though, with the, the text and, and the maps and so on, getting down to the brigade level, uh, telling us about people uh, using military terms that listeners to the show are going to be familiar with, but that are quite a bit more detailed than than a 10-year-old is going to be able to comprehend, or even a person for whom this is their first Gettysburg book. Mm-hmm. Um, so who, who do you have in mind as the, as the reader as you were putting this together? Yeah, very interesting question. Um, I don't think I really thought about it, to be honest. Um, huh. I, I was honestly just doing this because i i liked it so i loved <laughs> doing it and uh, it was you know it was t- it was taking up amazing amounts of time doing it but i was just couldn't have been happier you know and my wife would come up uh her father was an artist and she's got his eye mm-hmm. and she would come up towards the end of every you know work day i might work you know five hours a day, eight hours a day, 10 hours a day, whenever she would come up and look at it and go, Oh, you know, that blue right there is a little, and I, and I, whatever she said, I would take to heart and Mm -hmm. make some, you know, some moves to make it. So, and then I was, you know, working with my son and my daughter and it was just like, you know, what else do you want out of life? I, I I, I can't imagine. Um, I knew I wanted to do, I knew I wasn't going to, come up with anything new on Gettysburg as far as writing something. I'm well aware of the kind of uh, minutia-driven stuff that's coming out that, uh, you know, I love to read. Uh, You know, give me a micro-history of Culp's Hill and I'm a happy man. Um, But 
I also knew that, well, we should have some kind of narrative, but I don't want to be footnoted. I'm not going to pretend that anyone's going to quote me on anything because there's going to be better places to get mm-hmm. quotes about the battle. But I did want to kind of make it a little more than just uh, an attempt to write a magazine article about the battle. That it, Give it a little more. If people, you know, keep referring back to the maps, I think they'll be able to follow the action pretty well. You know, it's it's hard to tell because, you know, people like us are so deeply in these weeds that it's no longer you're, you aren't thinking, well, now is it left or is it right? You know, you aren't doing that anymore. It's kind of natural to understand all this stuff. But I also thought that hardcore Gettysburg uh, people will find a lot of new in this just because they're going to be seeing stuff that they've maybe seen a million times. They're going to be seeing it in a completely different way. You're going to be seeing uh, a lot of battle images that have never been portrayed like this because they've all been black and white. Um, And there's going to be an overall effect, I think, of from the very beginning to the very end of the battle of seeing nothing but color. And instead of having the typical back and forth, oh, you know, here's a color shot of the bloody angle uh, and here's a, a color shot of the Rothermel painting and here's a black and white shot of uh you know uh some drawing instead of being bouncing back and forth you're going to have this overall effect that well i've just seen the entire battle in color and that's going to give you psychologically a completely different feeling about it it's another thing i did too was all these black and white photos i spent anywhere from two to eight hours on each one of them, cleaning them up, getting rid of the dirt and getting rid of the little scratches and the, the crazy little things that this, uh, that the, the uh, aluminum, I, fr- I forget all the stuff that they use to create these, the, the mercury. The mercury would do some weird stuff uh, at a very s- a small level, and I would blow these pictures up and smooth all these things out. And I so I think these black and white photos, you you don't look at any of them and see any scratches. You don't see any blemishes. You don't see uh, any imperfections. You're seeing these photos for the first time, having been having them being rehabbed and i think psychologically that's another thing too this that you you aren't going oh it's an old photo because look at that big crack right in the middle but we got rid of all the cracks of the on the class and we got rid of all the scratches and everything and some of them you know it took a really long time to do some of them were easier to do but in that sense uh, that was the effect that I wanted. I wanted uh, to someone look through these two books and the third book too, and not be drawn psychologically into the past, where you're feeling you're like you're seeing a bunch of stuff that didn't happen not that long ago, 
And that was the psychological effect we were going for. And, you know, I could only hope that, you know, it worked or that my theory worked. But uh, it it's, you know, I, I think it came out pretty well. Boy, I, I, that's such an interesting answer to the question because it, I, it, I, I see exactly what you're saying. And I think it does have that effect. And I hadn't really quite glommed onto that while reading it. Um, the idea of taking out all the imperfections, uh, like it's like you, you know you watch Antiques Roadshow and say, well, you know, if you hadn't polished that table, it would be worth four million dollars. <laughs> but since you did, it's worth forty dollars. Yeah. You destroyed the historical importance of it. Um, you know, so like Ron Coddington's books on the faces of the Civil War that he's done, mm-hmm. uh, the photographs are reproduced beautifully with every, you know warts and all. Mm-hmm. including the 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 uh, because that's what he's trying to do right. and that gives us a certain insight into civil war reality by seeing the photographs with every imperfection preserved and you're intentionally going 180 the other direction cleaning these up um that that, that another question i had was uh, you, you take black and white sketches from uh, the margins of, of battles and leaders, for example. We've all seen the, the drawings that appear mm-hmm. on the pages of battles and leaders of the Civil War, that, that four-volume set. Uh, you're not colorizing. It's not like you're colorizing a photograph. Those were never anything but sketches with a pencil. Right. There was never any color uh, on the page or, or you know, only in the artist's mind. So you're colorizing everything. Yeah, I, and, I basically I painted all those drawings. Yeah, I, they they produce a different effect. I, I opened up volume three of Battles and Leaders to try to find some of them and compare the originals to how how they look in your book, and it is it's very interesting. You, you the originals have one power, and yours have a different power. Uh, but collectively, the, this this constant use of color throughout does have, have great power. I don't normally answer the questions I ask, but let me throw this to you. As I was trying to figure out who is this book for, really, uh, your answer, it really, it's for you. You were enjoying it. It was a great process. Um, you mentioned war games, uh, which I'm very familiar with. I have armies of 54-millimeter plastic and 10-millimeter metal Civil War soldiers, as well as board games, uh, going back to the the James Donegan and SPI era, mm-hmm. Avalon Hill sure. era, uh, and it's it struck me that may, may, that's really who this is for, and or at least it's for many people. But there's your audience, the in the weeds at the brigade level. Um, uh, the the title from Brandy Station to Peach Orchard assumes you know what Brandy Station was you know where the Peach Orchard was, the emphasis on getting the colors right when people paint their toy soldiers they want to get the colors exactly so, um, th- that if there's if there's one audience that, that this is really for it's them, uh, we're running out of time and I have so many more questions to ask I'm going to jump to one I have to ask, near the end of the book you have a number of illustrations that are cited to the um, the Gettysburg Diagraph, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, here it is, uh, Dennis Morris, the Gettysburg Diagraphs. And I looked at them and I said, okay, I recognize these poses. These are, in fact, toy soldiers. Um, I recognize the poses that these people are in. 
but they're not clearly not photographs just of toy soldiers the the backgrounds are outdoors real backgrounds where did these images come from yeah i i found him online early in the process because you notice too he is concentrated on the southern part of the battlefield mm-hmm. and he's, he has a whole series you go go to his website it's fantastic he's got all kinds of other stuff there and i remember looking at him going what am i looking at you know you, you can't can't figure it out you do see uh the the toy soldiers but then you see what seems to be a photograph too of, right. of somebody and and he he's just created this cool world of of that and i, I got a hold of him and i said hey uh you know i'm i'm you know trying to put this book out i've already spent all this money and he was so nice about letting me use whatever he did and i i was real it was thrilling for me i spoke at uh, sacred trust at gettysburg this past uh july 3rd as a matter of fact it was at it was at 1 30 uh ah, july 3rd right it was there. Fa- yeah. yeah it was fantastic and interestingly 10 minutes into my speech a bug flew in between my glasses and my eye and it bit me on the nose so oh. here here i am at uh speaking at gettysburg in front of a sacred trust audience and i'm up on mic going oh god what what's happening here what happened? oh my god it was uh, you know if you, if you like the agents of chaos it was yes. a perfect moment but uh dennis was there dennis morris was there and i mm-hmm. got to talk to him and i got to thank him personally for everything he's doing and he's and i couldn't be happier he told me the book has given his his business a a big boost because people are doing exactly what you just said you looked at and you're like what the heck is this what is this i gotta look more yeah go go to his website and and check out all his stuff it's really i will do that it's really amazing Wow. Well, we have just uh, uh, in our last minute, I'll throw this out uh, since you're doing another volume. If there was one thing I, I missed in, in this book, it was that the captions, of the, the references to the Ill- images were often just limited to Library of Congress. And that's a big place. Um, yeah. And they don't help find them. You have other images where you give more specific information. So an interested reader can go find the original. Um it would be nice if Volume Three, especially with the unusual 21st century, 20th century images, could have a little more reference uh, data there. But that's that's my free advice. You, it's worth what you paid for it. I'll I'll take it. We're sadly out of time. Uh, I enjoyed looking at this. It is unique, listeners. If you want to see Gettysburg as you have not seen it before, uh, check out Gettysburg in Color. It is by Patrick Brennan and Dylan Brennan. Patrick has been our guest tonight. Patrick, so much. Thank you so much for coming back to Civil War Talk Radio. Jerry, it's great talking to you again. We didn't talk enough about music, but I guess that's okay. And uh, I'll come back when Volume 3 comes out. Sounds good. And listeners, as always, thank you for listening to Civil War Talk Radio. Thank you for embarking on a part of American history this week. Civil War Talk Radio with Jerry Prokopovich can be heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.